0: Great, great, uh, wonderful time. Well, it is just uh, once again good to be here this morning, and it is my privilege this morning to be able to uh, share uh, a little bit of God's word. And my desire is that uh, this morning uh, it would be a time to uh, to learn some things from God's word, and and uh, also just be challenged in our hearts. And so uh, that's what we intend to do this morning. If you would go with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter four, and kind of was even debating how I 'm going to go about this and what God has laid on my hearts but uh, on my heart but I definitely am going to do my best to try and present what uh, what I feel God is leading me towards sharing this morning um, start here in uh, Matthew chapter four I want to say always uh, when I get a chance to speak especially in this first service um, I, I, my desire is to share something that um, that, that is applicable to our generation that is tangible is something that we can live and, and feel and and something that we can grow in. Um, I believe that um, God has a special plan for, for for this group of people. I feel like our church has a, a special place in God's plan. in fact God's word teaches us that reality and I feel that uh, with each passing year, um, I, I see the need greater and greater for a generation to arise and, and to, to be able to see the realities of God's Word and, and the need to, to awaken and to revive to such things is so great and so important. Um, it doesn't take long to read the local uh, news or to even see um, just uh, national news or world news to see a generation that desperately needs God's truth in their life. Uh, we desperately need it. Uh, man, I, they're, they're, we're getting to a point now to where the atrocities that uh, are taking place um, across our world are such of such great nature. It just, we're seeing the utter destruction of sin. Uh, We see it locally. We see it um, within uh, just uh, uh, the family unit. We see it within our valley. We see it within our state, within our nation, um, the destructive nature of sin. Um, I was reading an article here, just I think even just a couple days ago, two, three days ago, of a, of a mom who was uh, in prison because her two-year-old son had starved to death. And uh, so I, just uh, you, you, you see a world that uh, even the the natural affection that normally would take place between a mother and a child is no longer there. You see uh, what takes place in, in, in some of these uh, places. Uh, I was reading about another article of a group of five or six individuals that... Um, were, we're torturing out the autistic young lady and that eventually they, they uh, uh, burned her mother and made her eat her mother's ashes, something like that. It was just a horrible article, just absolutely atrocious. Um, but it's stuff that's taking place in our generation. And if you're just having your, uh, finger on the pulse of today's society, you, you'll see the utter destruction that is taking place and, and, uh, all the greater the need, uh, for the truths that we share in, in an, in an environment like this, right? Because the answer to all of those problems, the answer to the greatest needs of our generation, uh, they are found right here, right? They are found in uh, the, the truth of God's word and they are found in God himself. Um, The other thing that I see and when I look at uh, being now having been around a little bit and studying. I I, I love to study history. I love to study things that have taken place. Um, I I think uh, it's interesting especially within the realm of of God's word and God's people. It's amazing uh, what has taken place. And you see throughout history uh, great works of God. You see throughout history um, sin is not new. Sin's not new, right? Um, the, the traps of the devil are not new. Um, maybe they're more traveled in today's news. Maybe they're, they're quicker access. Um, but if you study history, you, you know that atrocities and destruction have been kind of commonplace. Um, uh, basically from Adam and Eve this way, right? I mean, uh, the very first family that was ever created, one brother killed another. I mean, that, that's pretty bad, right? Within the first few years of creation this way. um, Already when sin entered, it caused immediate destruction. It hasn't stopped. Um, And and the cure continues to be the same, right? We continue to see the need that is constantly there. But I believe that every generation needs to find uh, that fire within them, that need. And I love to study where uh, God's people have been revived. I love to study and see that. And I'll mention a few things here even this morning about that uh, reality. This morning I've titled the message, it's your turn, it's your turn. I, I, it sparked a thought in me, that phrase, um, because um, h- how many of you have children between the ages of like three and, or if, children or brothers or sisters between the ages of like three and seven, eight, nine, Anybody like that? Raise your hand. You can raise your hand. It's okay. We're good. Um, All right. Uh, Many of you. All right. Um, I don't know how it is in your household, but in my household, most of them don't have their own electronics. And um, they they are constantly, when they are using somebody else's electronics, whether it be my wife's or mine or something like that, um, they're always awaiting for their turn, right? And so they borrow a phone or they borrow an iPad and they're using it and, and their brother's using it or their sister's using it. And then it's like every, like, 25 seconds it's like is it my turn is it my turn and um, uh, it's always waiting for their turn it made me think about that phrase um, you know it, it's uh it, it can carry different connotations right it has a different weight uh, about it depending on the situation right I can think about in elementary um, when uh, we would go to the doctor or something like that and it was time right now some of you would be going back to school and and these kids they go back and oh you haven't had your booster shots and you're sitting there in the doctor's office and the nurse comes out and it's like it's so so-and-so, it's your turn. And you're like, oh, it's my turn. And uh, that phrase can be like, ah, it's your turn. And uh, other times, you know, you can, uh, I remember as a child that uh, sometimes uh, my parents, very rarely, uh, had to correct us and had to discipline us. And so uh, we would all be there in the different rooms, right? And uh, correction was taking place lovingly. And uh, uh, as it was taking place, uh, you would hear the other person and you'd be like, all right, that person already had his turn. And uh, you would count down, you know, it's like, all right, that went, all right, that means I'm next. And it's your turn, right? There's a seriousness about the, it's your turn in that case. Um, if it's uh, serving cake, right, you know, we're at a, a wedding or, or, or a quinceanera, something like that, you know, and you're like counting the tables, right? That guy got served, that guy got served. it's our turn. And it's like, it's my turn. And uh, that phrase in that moment is an exhilarating phrase, it's my turn, it's your turn. Uh, it's an excitement. Uh, it just depends on what it is. This morning I want to tell you uh, just uh, something that I feel Scripture teaches us, the reality and importance of the gravity of the reality of it's your turn spiritually. I believe I'm speaking to a younger generation for the most part. I think if we were to do an average of uh, the ages here within the attendance of the auditorium, um, we would end up at the younger side of the spectrum. What I would qualify as younger, right? At side of the spectrum. I want to challenge you this morning, whether though you are within that range or not, I believe it's your turn. I believe it's your turn. Um, I said to go to Matthew chapter 4, if you will keep your finger there, but go with me to Psalm 85. And Psalm 85 and verse number 6, there is a a very famous verse, if you've been around scripture along around the the Bible much, Um, at least, you know, especially when it comes to this theme. It says there in Psalm 85 and verse number 6, it says this, Wilt thou not revive us again that the people may rejoice in thee? Wilt thou not revive us again? I want to just exhort each and every one of us here in this auditorium this morning about the reality of the need, the great need for revival and spiritual revival within ourselves. I don't know. There's plenty of needs represented here among us. I don't know what your spiritual need is, but I can tell you this, um, that no matter where you're at, we need to be revived again. We need to be revived again. I spoke last Sunday about uh, Lamentations chapter 3 in the middle part of a sad situation, and I shared with you about how uh, that verse of God's compassions fail not. They're new every morning, and I believe that great reality is still here this very morning a week later. I believe, though, that that is needed in the context of what we're talking about because, you see, you and I cannot revive ourselves. Uh, somebody who is dead cannot revive themselves. It is only something Somebody who is alive that can come and revive somebody who is dead. And so this morning, I want to just say to you, it's your turn. It's your turn. I believe there is a great need for our generation, a great need, and it's our turn. I believe there is a great need for us to understand that revival is achievable and attainable. There's a reality that sometimes we feel that because of the sin of our generation, because of the great despair of our time, that perhaps it's not within reach for us. Perhaps you say, well, if I would have had those parents, if I, would have had, if I would have been born in this time, if I would have gone to this school, if I would have had this opportunity, but can I tell you that Scripture is clear and it is scattered with examples and history is scattered with examples that regardless of your background, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your generation, that revival is attainable. And that it's your turn is still something that is a reality for each one of us this morning. It's your turn. Now we can go to Matthew chapter four, and I want to share here just a couple brief verses, and uh, I'll take off from here and just trying to share with you three simple thoughts in the times that we have together. I, I believe that um, that phrase of Psalm four, uh, uh, Psalm eighty-five, six: uh, "Won't you revive us again? Won't you do it again?" Uh, won't you again show us how that we can have the joy brought back to us. I want to say to you that mankind has never been more fulfilled or never been more joyed than the times in history when it has been closer reconciled to God. It it is at the times when mankind, when a generation draws closer to God, that it is at its most peaceful state, that it is its most uh, fulfilled and happy state, man is most fulfilled when it is most spiritually revived. And so this morning, uh, you are most uh, close to being able to be fulfilled, overjoyed with the true fulfillment that only comes in a life that is drawn closer to God. So you are only that close to joy as you are drawn to that revival within you. I want to tell you you this morning that there is a a reach for you. There is is something within reach of you, and that is that fulfillment that comes when we understand that reality. Of it being our turn, our time, and here in, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus is beginning his spiritual, uh, his uh, ministry, spiritual ministry of, of his life, of his earthly life, and and here he's beginning to talk to to uh, individuals that will be an intricate part of a revival of their generation. We we come to know these uh, group of men as disciples, and here these group of men they come to be car- part of an intricate a revival that then for the next. 2018, 2,000 years, have done a number on the world entirely. Because of what was sparked here, um, these, uh, uh, this situation uh, turned into the fire that would spread across the globe to where the truth of God's word would be something that would transform our world. And it starts here. Uh, there is a part of that uh, building of God's, uh, of Jesus' initial team. And I want to invite you this morning to realize that Jesus is still continuing trying to build his team. One of the things I love about the millennial generation is that we love to work in teams. We really do. Um, we, we love that camaraderie. We love that community uh, we are drawn to it maybe it's because of the absence of the home maybe it's because of just the absence of that relationship because all of our uh, interaction takes place so much through the screen aspect that there's just that sense but i love the fact that today we can be a part of jesus team you can be part of that and i want you to see some 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 initial thoughts in regards to his initial calling about it's your turn about walking after him It says in verse number 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. I want to say, by the way, on Thursday I went fishing. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I went deep sea fishing on a, on a, on a private boat. And it was just so much fun. Me and Pastor, uh, my, my dad, Pastor. Uh, it was great. And uh, we caught some fish. We caught some sharks. I would never been around seeing like sharks like right in the water there. The water uh, where we were at, it was a very peaceful day. You could see the ocean like 20 feet into the ocean. And you could see all the fish. It was awesome. Um, and, and, you know, if, uh, if uh, anybody ever wants to do something really nice and go deep sea fishing. It's a lot of fun on a peaceful day. No, not on a stormy day, but uh, it's uh, fishers. But that's what these guys did. They, did. they were fishermen by trade. When we were there in the dock, there was lots of these uh, people who do uh, commercial fishing and stuff like that and made me think about this uh, context of this. These were, these were That was their, their work. They were normal guys that had a normal job and their job was to, was to fish. And he being Jesus saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Invitation. Invitation coming on behalf of Jesus Christ that comes to them and basically points a finger at them and says, hey, it's your turn. I've got something for you. It's your turn. Can I tell you that this morning that spiritual finger continues to point and continues with that invitation. Continues to say, yeah, I have something for you to do. I like the way it breaks it down in verse number 19 into two parts. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. An invitation first to a relationship. Secondly, to an action, to a job, to something he had for them to do. And that continues to be the case today. No Christian should be a follower of God without something to do, right? You follow God, you got to get something to do. Can I tell you something this morning, early on here, a young church, English church this morning, can I tell you something? It's time for us to find something to do. It's time for us to not wait for the previous generation to just see and be awed by what they have done, but it's time for us to find something to do. If we're going to be followers of God, but let's begin there. Let's begin there. It says in verse number 20, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. It's your turn. Jesus, continuing on, found somebody else pointing at them and said, hey, it's your turn, follow me. I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us if there were some others between there that said no. Um, I find it interesting, we don't find necessarily that Zebedee, their father, became an active participant of Christ's ministry. We don't. But we do find that they said yes. You know, sometimes this morning uh, we need to realize that it's an individual call, it's an individual basis. And this morning it's your turn it's not just a generational call. It's not just a call to a family. It's an individual call. It's not just a call to a married, to a married couple. It's an individual call. And this morning I just want to challenge you in three thoughts in regards to this. And then we'll be done this morning. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, we do thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Father, because you are a loving and gracious God. And this morning, your word continues to do the work for which you sent it out to from the moment you inspired the very first and breathed the reality of words of life into the first book, the first word of your holy Bible to the last. Lord, that is a seed that has been sent out throughout the ages, Lord, of human existence. And Father, we thank you that It continues to do a work here in the year 2018. Pray this morning that you would work in the hearts of each one of us. Father, it is only by your grace that I am here behind your pulpit, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts, that your spirit would do a work. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's your turn. Can I tell you this morning that there is an absolute call to walk after him. To walk after him. Can I tell you this morning that I want to notice some things that they had to do in order to walk after him. In order to realize and in order to enact the reality of answering their turn to walk after him, there were some things they had to do. First of all, it says in verse number 20, and they straightway left their nets. Their nets represented their livelihood to a certain extent. Their nets represented um, the, what they did on a daily basis. Uh, it was part of their habit. It was mending their nets. It was um, looking after their nets. When we were there uh, fishing this week, I was looking and noticing on the shrimpers. Right now it's shrimp season, and these shrimpers they go out there with these humongous nets, and uh, they have these weighted metal things, and they drop that down to to close to to, to, to the bottom of the ocean. Ocean and as they go down there, these weighted metal things they drag and these nets, they're dragging and they're catching all sorts of shrimp and all sorts of oh, animal wildlife that is underneath the ocean floor there. And they bring it up and they bring it all up and they bring it onto this ship. And those nets, they, they're very special nets. They're designed a certain way and they, they represent for these shrimpers a, a very important part of their livelihood. They they know how to mend the nets. They know how to work the nets. Um, in uh, several years back, they enacted legislation because uh, uh, they were catching so many turtles, and so uh, they they built in now that each one of these shrimpers they have to have a certain escape little uh, pocket where a turtle could uh, slip out through there, but the the shrimp can't. And so it's a it's a, a design little thing that's kind of funny the way it's, it works. But uh, they they know these nets. It represents their livelihood, and here. When it came to the calling of Jesus' disciples in this instance, it says, and they straightway, and it notices and it makes note of that they left their nets. Can I tell you this morning that the call from Jesus, in regards to it's your turn, continues to come with a price, continues to come with a reality of that there must be some departure from what is well known to us, from what is natural to us, from what is the everyday instance of what occupies our daily existence, that there needs to be a a revival to a different way of life. It says that afterwards that they left their nets straightway and followed him. In the second set of calling that we find from the brothers in verse number 22, we find it says, and they immediately left their ship. You know, their ship was um, that community, their ship was their normal group of friends. Um, I was speaking to the captain that was of our boat there, and he was talking about how sometimes these shrimpers, if they're not catching a lot of shrimp, they got to go further out and further out. And sometimes they're out for 30 days, 50 days. He's known of shrimpers that were out there for 80 days on this ship. And he says that they're there, their beards are all grown, and they haven't had a good shower. And, uh, you know, uh, the water tank that they had, well, it got hot, and then, it, it you know, it's just it's just. They haven't had good fresh water in a while and and man on that boat though it, it, when e- even for us that were those five of us on that boat we were out there i think for about 6 hours or so it's funny how a boat just you you have a you, you Instantly build a sense of community because you know you, you got surrounded by oceans. There's nothing else there but oceans and lots of oceans. It scares my wife, by the way, having lots of oceans, but uh, ocean and ocean and ocean and and but on that boat you, you just feel safe, you feel good, and, and there's a sense of community built there. What well, for these fishermen, obviously that was that was the same. There was a sense of community. That was their sense of, of group. And however, when Jesus came, Jesus came to call them. One of the things that they had to do was understand that they were being called out from, from their normal community, from their normal sense of structure. Can I tell you young generation here this morning, can I tell you fellow Christian that when we are here and Jesus is calling us, he's calling us to it's your turn to a revival, to what God wants to do in our life and there is a need to leave that normal sense of community, to leave the regular uh, human, uh, what would be our normal setting to be able to say, hey, you know what, I need a new group, I need a new community. I'm always concerned about a young Christian that comes to the Lord and that comes to the faith and that wants to grow in the things of the Lord, but his friends never change. His community never changes. He doesn't have Christian friends around him. She doesn't have Christian friends around him. It always concerns me because when you're following Christ, you can't be on the old ship. It needs to be a different ship. you got to leave that ship. you got to leave those nets. There needs to be something that you're leaving in order to walk after him. It says, and they immediately left their ship. But not only that. Not only did they leave their nets, not only did they leave their ship, but they left their father. It says in verse number 22, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed Him. You know, when Jesus is coming to us, and he's asking of us to follow him, we cannot hold on to anything. We must be willing. In another passage, the Bible talks about how that we must love God. We must follow Jesus to such an extent with such a passion that even our care of our parents, even our care of our wife, even our care of our children, which God, God commands and God tells us to do in any other instances. But he says, by comparison, it should look like we don't even love them by the extent to which we have passionately pursued him. When we follow Jesus with all of our hearts, when we pursue after him, when we realize that it is our obligation, it is our responsibility. Ooh, that's a bad word for the millennial generation, responsibility. But it is our responsibility to have a passionate pursuit of Christ. When we realize that, there is a lot of weight that goes with that. In order to walk after him, we must have a burning desire for him and nothing else. We must not allow anything that was once holding us back to now be what is holding us from him. Many a Christian will come to Christ in salvation. But because they will not be willing to leave these things their sense of their normal routine of life their nets but because they're not willing to leave and to say my sense of community it can't no longer be the bowling group it can't be the golfing buddies anymore it can't be that's not where i'm going to grow from that's not what's going to fortify my faith that's not what's going to push me forward i need to get a new ship i need to be to be growing in relationships with people that will exhort me in the things of the lord that will encourage me that will not offer me and push me towards sin and will push me towards. Those one of the things that I always counsel when I, this summer we had a great summer. Had 543 campers. Had 120 that a plus that accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Many, many other spiritual decisions. And one of the things that I counsel, and many of you are even here this morning, that I would counsel you as you go back to school. As you go back to your neighborhood. As you go back and now you're trying to grow in the things of faith. You've got to change that ship. you got to find a community that's going to encourage you. And I always share this with somebody that I counsel that I No, they're trying to change their circumstances. They're trying to change your life. Hey, if that person encouraged you to try drugs, maybe you shouldn't be around them as much. If that person encouraged you towards immorality, then you know what? Maybe it's time to delete them from your friends list. Maybe it's time to delete them uh, from your contacts. And maybe it's time for you to develop a new relationship, a new ship, a new community to encourage you to grow in the things of your faith. It's your turn. It's your turn to walk after him. He comes to us this morning, to all of us, saying, Will you follow me? Will you follow me? I have something for you to do. Not only did he invite him as far as invite them as far as it's their turn to follow him, to walk after him, but he encourages them with something to do. I will make you fishers of men go with me to Matthew chapter 28 let's go to the to the back end of this ver of this chapter of this book excuse me Matthew chapter 28 and the back end of the chapter very very well known verses it says this in verses 18 through 20 and Jesus came and spake unto them who is the them well the them is those same disciples who he started with there in chapter number 4 them partly is those same ones that left their nets and left their ship and left their father and went after him. It's those same ones. And now comes the culmination of that invitation to have an understanding of it was their turn for their generation, for the great need of their moment, for the great need of their society. And it was their turn. And it comes to the back end. And here Jesus says, and Jesus spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Can I tell you secondly it's our turn not only to walk after him but it's our turn to tell others about our God. It's our turn to tell others about our God. One of my favorite stories that I love to see in uh, the history is one of a man named John Knox. And John Knox was a missionary and a a preacher uh, back in the 1500s. And John Knox, you see, he he was a passionate person who had a deep desire for his homeland. His homeland was Scotland. And he was uh, most famous for for a phrase that he said when he was there uh, at that time in history, and he would pray this prayer, pray this thought to God. He'd say, God, give me Scotland or I die. Give me Scotland ere I die, is what John Knox would say. You see, he had such a passionate pursuit. He had such an understanding of that it was his turn for his generation, for where God had put him, that he said, If I don't have an opportunity, if I can't win them to the Lord, if I can't preach the truth and share the truth with my friends, with my city, with my country, then let let me die because I want to do it so badly. I wonder if the year 2018 we have young men, young ladies. I wonder if we have parents and moms and dads who pray like that for their generation, who pray like that for their family, who pray like that for their city, who pray like that for their school, who pray like that for their friends, who pray like that for their world, who say, God give me mission ere I die. God give me Texas ere I die. God help me to be able to be passionate in sharing you with every person i have a chance to god it's my turn to tell others about you john knox was invited many times and he would speak to different queens at that time scotland was reigned by many queens most of them full of idolatry and immorality and every time he was sent to prison many times because he would show up and he would say you know what you're wrong What you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. These idols all over the country, the countryside, they're wrong. You see the immorality that you're allowing among yourself and among your people, it's wrong. And they would say, stop preaching that. Stop saying that. I will throw you in the dungeon. He'd say, throw me in the dungeon because I'm not going to stop because it's the truth of God's word. He understood that it was for his generation. It was his turn to stand in the gap and to say, look, this is the truth. This is the truth. And if you'll look back in history, John Knox was able to turn scotland around from an idolatrous immoral generation from an idolatrous immoral country to being a god-fearing god-following country when john knox died there were co- there were churches across the countryside preaching and teaching the truth because there was somebody willing to say it's my turn i wonder if on our generation I wonder if in our city, I wonder if in our church there's not some young men, some young ladies. I wonder if there's not some young couples who will reach out and say, it's my turn. God has told us all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Now go and make millions of dollars. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say all power is given to me on heaven and earth and go and live the good life. No, it doesn't say that. It says go ye therefore and teach all nations. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, Tell your family members, tell your cousin, tell that drunk down the street, tell the drug addict in the corner, tell everybody you can tell that there's a God that loves them, that sent his son 2,000 years ago to die for their sins. And if they would only turn from their wicked ways, that they would be able to be saved and rescued from the coming judgment upon their soul. May God help us to realize it's our turn. Can we realize that this very morning as we sit here, we're not going to find people who are going to understand it's your turn at the softball field. We're not going to find them over there in the bowling alley. We're not going to find them on the golf course. We're not going to find in La Pulga somebody who's going to say, oh, wait, it's my turn. Let me go and do this for God. If we're not doing it, if we're not answering it, if it's not us, then who's it going to be? It's our turn. This morning I want to challenge this generation and I want to challenge everybody within the sound of my voice and I want to challenge myself to answer that reality. It's our turn. It's our turn to pursue him, to walk after him. It's our turn to tell others about our God. William Carey is another great missionary, another great man of God. See, when he left England, England was America of that time. It was, it was this country was still in its birth but England was a comfortable place to live it was you were well off financially you you had the comforts of life and he takes off on a ship and he goes to the country of China and for 41 years he never looks back he buries three wives in China but he never looks back and he continues on and he followed God and he went and he learned Mandarin an extremely difficult language and he translated the Bible and he went around in very dangerous circumstances but he really that if he didn't go, if he didn't share, if he didn't take up the mantle and understand that it was his turn to do something for God, then this entire part of the world that had been ignored from the gospel would never hear the truth of God's word. I wonder as I, I, I fear to even look at statistics of today's world, how many spiritually, how many, uh, excuse me, in the mission area, how many missionaries return from the field to how many are going out and doing something for God. This generation looks to the pocketbook and says, I can't be a missionary. This generation looks to the comfort of high-speed internet and access to my friends and to the comforts of life here. And they say, I can't go over there. I don't want to do that with my life. I'm only going to live this life once. But there was a generation, there was a time when young men and young ladies understood that it was their turn. And that unless they stood up and stood in the gap and did something to be able to take up the mantle and tell others about, God, that there would be entire countries that would be lost in obscurity, would be in darkness from the things of God. I'm preaching to a generation that I understand we're the selfie generation, we're the generation that uploads everything to my page on my internet. We want my comforts, I want my channels. I'm gonna look at my emails. We're a selfish generation. One of the hardest things about working in camp ministry is that every summer we have to recruit uh, 25 people that are willing to step out of their comfort zone, step out of a comfortable, fun summer to be able to do the most selfless act, to be able to invest uh, their time, energy, and effort for very little monetary gain to be able to uh, leave the comforts of not hearing a bunch of kids say uh, can we go do this now and and to be able to willing to to say i'm going to do that for for 6 weeks and i'm going to i'm going to sit there and not only am i going to not babysit, but I'm going to work on this young man's heart or this young lady's heart, and I'm going to try and and point them to Christ, and I'm going to be willing. Man, I can tell you right now that in the 14 years that I've been doing this, every summer it seems like it's increasingly more difficult to find somebody who's willing to say, yeah, you know what, two months of my life that I can do that, I'll be happy to do it. That have the moral character and the moral fiber, and have the the first part of our message today, the walk after Him, to be able to qualify to be fishers of men, and and I'm telling you that I understand we're selling uh, to a generation. I'm using that in quotations. Uh, we're selling to a generation the most uh, uh, selfless act of following after God and and being passionate in sharing God. Though I would though I would be embarrassed perhaps uh, by in front of these people who will shun me who at work all of a sudden now we'll say oh that's the guy that every time I cuss he has to say something every time you know we're telling a joke he gets up and walks away oh it's that guy that that just in light of that little bit of of difficulty we keep our mouth shut in front of those words we chuckle at the joke because we don't want to be ostracized we don't want to be isolated and instead of taking up the mantle of it being our turn to tell others about our God, instead of that, instead of saying, give me Scotland or I die, instead of saying, if I don't go to China, there will be a, a nation lost in obscurity. And if I, don't get to, if I don't get to return to the comfort of home, oh well, but I'm going to do what God has told me to do. I'm going to follow him. Instead of that, we find a generation that says, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? May God help us to realize it's our turn. It's our turn to walk after Him. It's our turn to tell others about Him. It's our turn, and I'd like to finish with this, and we only have about three minutes, to use what I have for Him. Matthew chapter 27, excuse me, Matthew chapter 25 is the parable of the talents. And verse, uh, verses 26 uh, through 28 is, uh, through 30 is the last part of that. I want to read that quickly. It says, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Verse 25, let me start there. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, thou hast, uh, th- thou hast th- that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. "'Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, "'and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury interest. "'Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents.'" The parable of the talents, just to recap it real quickly, I know many of you know it, but God, uh, excuse me, the parable is about Jesus shares that uh, this wealthy man, he gives these different talents, these different uh, money, if you will, to these different people. He gives X amount to this person, X amount to this person, X amount to this person. He goes away, he comes back. After a while, these talents uh, are, are, are to be uh, answered for. And so they, when, the, when, the, when the master comes back, they go to him and they say, Okay, here's what I did with what you gave me. And so he, the first one says, You gave me this amount. I did this with it. Here's what you gave me plus what I gained. The second one says, Here's what I did with what you gave me. And here's what I did with it. Here's how much I gained. Here's what you gave me. Here's how much I gained. And the third one said, I, I was a little scared of what might happen. I wasn't sure about what that might entail. You see, I I appreciate you gave me life. Hey, look, I I had 30 years of life. I I had 50 years of life. I had 80 years of life. I didn't screw up too bad. I didn't mess up too bad. Um, I I, I didn't, uh, you know, I was a pretty good guy most of the time. I was a pretty good lady most of the time. I didn't, I tried not to hurt that many people. I just went to my job. I went around my my business. I saved for retirement. I, I did what I needed to do. Thanks for giving my life. See, at the parable of the talents, uh, it comes to this reality. It's our turn to use our talents for what God has given us to do. And I don't know what that is. For some of you in this room, it's because you're going to use a talent to be a Christian school teacher. It's going to be a Sunday school teacher. It's going to be that you're going to be the best of a young lady that's ever been in the nursery to take care of babies. It's going to be that you're going to be uh, the wife or a mother to some children that are going to live for God and honor God. Maybe it's going to be that you're going to be a wonderful musician and you're going. To use a, a wonderful talent of your vocal cords, of, of your fingers to play an instrument for God. We, I thank God that in our church we have people that are already doing that. But can I challenge us as a generation? Can I challenge us as a congregation that we must look to the future and say, hey, it's our turn to use what God has given us for what God has given us to do? One of my um, childhood regrets was never learning an instrument everybody, people always ask me, what do you play? I'm like, I play the radio really well. You can Turn it up, turn it down, change the channel. It's the only instrument I know how to play. But you know what, I've got other talents God has given me. I'm so thankful that at 16 years of age, on the top side of a hill, outside of San Antonio, at a camp called Pot of Gold Camp, that I brought my life to an altar. And I walked down that green carpet, And those garage doors opened on each side as that wind was blowing on a Thursday evening. And those lights flickered every now and then because we were way in the obscurity of nature at that night. I'm so glad that I was real and sincere when I brought that life to the altar. And I said, God, thank you for giving me athletic abilities. Thank you for letting me have uh, the ability to do what I do on a daily basis. But God, all that I am and all that I have and all that I can be, I bring it to your altar. I wish I could say that from that point forward, it's been a perfect walk with God. I've never made a mistake, but that would be the biggest lie there is. But I can say this, that I did sincerely bring what I had to the altar. And I sincerely said, God, here is my talents that you have given me. Now give me something to do with that. Can I tell you this morning as we finish up, dear Christian, this morning there is a reality, there is a need for us to walk after him, to pursue him. Can I tell you, dear friend, if you do not have a relationship with him, if you have never entered into a living real relationship with him where you have turned from your wicked ways and turned to him and through the avenue of the cross come to God and say, God, not through my merits but through the merits of your son Jesus Christ and his payment of my sins on a cross, I come to you if you have not done that that is the first thing you must do because we cannot tell others about our God when he is not our God. We cannot use our talents for what he has given us to do when we don't even have a relationship with him. So we must begin there. But I believe that in large part this crowd has. I wanna challenge you, it's your turn. It's your turn. What are you gonna do with the opportunities God has given us? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the challenge of your word. Thank you, Father, because you have been so good and so gracious to us. Father, there have been many a time where I have reneged on that invitation of it's your turn, do this. It's your turn, I'll see you next morning. It's your turn, I'm waiting to walk with you today. It's your turn, share this with this person. It's your turn. Be willing to step out with what I've given you to do what I've given you to do. Father, I wish I could say that I've never reneged on that, but that would be a lie. Father, perhaps there's others in this auditorium who are here with me who maybe are in the same boat. And this morning they've been challenged by the reality of our generation's need. I pray, Father, that you would challenge them to walk out of this Sunday morning service with a burning desire to take up the mantle and say, it's my turn, it's my turn. Every head bowed, every eye closed, perhaps just a quick invitation to say, if this morning you say, Brother John, that's me, um, there's an aspect of my life that perhaps I'm not taking up that mantle of it being my turn. Maybe it's to walk with God. Maybe it's to share God with my friends, my family. Maybe it's to use my talents and abilities to serve God in what God has given me to do. But in whatever area it is this morning, I'm answering to the call that God is placing on my life. And I want to say it's my turn and I'm going to do something about it. If you slip your hand up, I'd like to just pray for you in regards to that decision. God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over this auditorium. God bless you. Father, I thank you for that reality. I thank you for the importance that we have. The important task, the important opportunity, help us not to waste it. Life is a beautiful gift you've given us, but you've not given it to us for our enjoyment. You've not given us to us to waste and use on ourselves and our pleasure. You've given it to us as a gift so that we in turn can give it back to you with the talents we have accumulated, with what we have invested that has brought and yielded returns for your kingdom. Lord, give us mission. Lord, give us our generation. Lord, give us your victory in our walk with you and with what you have given us to do for you. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Let's stand this morning. While we stand, just a couple quick announcements. Young people, don't forget this Thursday, if you are going to go to Six Flags, we are leaving here at 5 o'clock in the morning. You need to be here at 5 at the church in order to be able to leave. We're going to be leaving at 5. The cost is $40 a person. Um, it is a one-day thing, so we'll be up there. Uh, we'll get there. We'll be at Six Legs for the, even, for the afternoon, and then we'll make our way back here that evening as well. So do not forget, teens, that is this Thursday coming up. There are a couple other announcements there of things that are going to be taking place here over the next couple Sundays here at our church look that up there on the bulletin don't forget prayer night is tomorrow uh july the 30th at 7 p.m tomorrow where we take a time to pray tomorrow as well um well, i again because i have the mic and i can do this i do it uh our birthdays this week uh ezekiel guajardo i thought i saw Zeke. yeah zeke's here all right zeke um the tomorrow is his birthday um i don't know if elsa or jane i know hermana jane's not here maurilio lozano lucero is lucero here lucero lucero's here as well that's coming up this week we're going to get our birthday our happy birthday out of the way at the count of three that way well like i say every time you don't have to text them or call them or anything you already said happy birthday so we're going to count to three and we're going to say happy birthday to lucero and ezekiel who are here this morning and the others that aren't here we'll say it loud enough so they can hear us wherever they are at Ready one two three! Happy birthday, and we're done for the whole week. We don't have to say that anymore. All right, we hope you guys have a great week this week, guys. If you haven't been plugged into one of our Sunday school classes, I encourage you to do that this morning. Uh, find one of the Sunday school classes immediately following uh, this time, and uh, and get plugged in there. Another great time of just a fellowship. Uh, there, most of them have something to eat. Most of them, and uh, and then also some good quality time of learning more from God's word. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for the wonderful service this morning. I pray that you bless the Spanish service that is to take place. Bless our Sunday school classes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you, you are dismissed.